I think one of the biggest things is people are always doing the best they know. If you choose to see people like that, you're going to be fine. We just didn't know that yet. Again, we didn't have enough experience. Yeah. And I also, I know for me, I was so wrapped up in the need of like getting my needs met and the fear of them not getting met and the fear of not being safe because I had been in relationships where I had was not safe. And so I was so preoccupied with my own trauma responses that I was never able to actually see you. Hey loved ones, welcome to Naked Conversations, a space for you and I to meditate, strategize, and dream of the tools needed to transform into radical selves. I'm your host, Martisa Williams, free being, radical wayshore, and liberation doula. My purpose is to support the collective on our journey to deeper joy, sweeter justice, and fulfilling presence. So are you ready to step into your most liberated life yet? Let's get to it. So I'm collaborating with my longtime friend, Liz Wilsey, this October. So I've asked her to come on so we can talk to you about what we've got coming up. So I'm excited for this offering because it's a chance to work together and experiment for 30 days. You and I talk about stories like all the time, but I think an illustration for folks may be helpful. Yeah, so here's my example from a couple weeks ago. A dear friend and I were talking about organizing and in the middle, I started to feel like they were quizzing me, like there was a right or a wrong answer. And a past Liz would have gotten increasingly annoyed and probably lashed out. But I was able to say, it feels like I'm being quizzed, which let my friend say, oh yeah, that's not what I meant. And we got to talk about it. The whole thing was maybe done in two minutes and we were able to move forward with a better understanding. These kind of misunderstandings happen all the time, at home, in work, in organizing, and too often, instead of stopping and checking in, we just let it go. Then we're in our own story about what's happening. It may be real life or it may not. Right, and the only way to know is to check in with another person but we don't check in sometimes because we're afraid and sometimes because we just don't know how. So here comes connect and communicate. So we're inviting you to a 30 day nervous system experiment where you get to learn through experience and practice to be more honest and vulnerable in the ways you communicate. So I've done 30 day programs that left me drained. Our goal with this one is to give you ways to engage that are mindful of your capacity. 
and we call this an experiment. So it's easier to let go of what you already know and imagine what could be possible. So we're gonna have some fun. We're gonna support one another and be mindful of our own capacity. So signups close on September 19th and so that we can have time to pair you meaningfully with someone to be in practice with if you choose. You can visit the link in the show notes and join us. Hello, 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 my friends. It has been quite a while and a hell of a year. <laughs> so many things have changed uh, globally, socially, personally. And I think many of us are still in the whirlwind of all of the shift and the chaos. Um, I honestly don't have much to say about the world at this moment don't hold your breath because I'm sure that will be coming <laughs> um but I wanted I'm so excited to be back with you I'm so excited um to share with you some of the changes that have happened um in my personal life but also in the structure of this podcast since we last talked I now am living in Los Angeles, California, and um, I have traveled and have been through um, kind of a personal, mini personal revolution in a lot of ways. And I'm working full time for myself, which is really beautiful. And so, yeah. Lots of shifts, lots of change. Um, before I get into some of the personal shifts that will kind of segue us into this episode, um, I want to talk about the shifts that have happened in the podcast. So I changed the name a little bit. The podcast is now called Naked Conversations, as you heard in the intro. Um, and that's just because it felt more applicable to me um, to be having these really incredible conversations about our liberation and what it takes to live and transform into radical beings and build a radical society and life. Um, it just felt more applicable, Naked Conversations. So that's that. We got some beautiful new imagery. Um, there's a new website you can feel free to check out. Um, but I think the biggest change that's the most important is that the podcast is now seasonal, which is exciting. Uh, and now this season will be a little bit different. It's a little earlier than you can expect next seasons will be. But you will get an eight to 10 week uh, season with incredible names, big names. We've got an incredible season coming up for you this week or this uh, season. And um, But moving forward, there will be a spring season and a fall season. So twice a year, um, eight to 10 episodes. Um, and I think that might be it as far as podcast updates go. So let's move on to the personal shifts. Um, when you first met me on this podcast and 
many of you probably have met me in real life or on social media and maybe before the podcast. But uh, I have been living in Rochester, New York with, um, when we last spoke, I was living in Rochester, New York with my partner of five years and our two dogs and I was working in marketing. And as of right now, none of that is true. Uh, My partner and I split back in February. And this episode is all about that journey um, and how the kind of our love story and how we have navigated out of that space and the things that we've learned through practicing love together. Um, So this episode is really intimate between uh, him and I. And I wanted to share it because I think... There is this narrative that after a breakup, you have to like throw that person away Um, or there had to have been some major riff. And that just isn't the case in our scenario. And I think there's something really deeply beautiful about saying, hey, there's this person that means something really deep to me and is important to me. And I refuse to throw that relationship away um, and to throw that person away. And I think that even though it has not been beautiful and has not been perfect, I think Rod and I have um, fumbled our way through what it looks like to honor what has been and what can be moving forward and to honor ourselves through the entire process of recognizing um, that we deserve big, big happiness and big joy. And um, that container that we were in wasn't conducive for that. And so this episode is all about that. We talk about our love story. We talk about what we've learned. Um, I will say that there is, um, I will give a, a trigger warning to suicide a little bit because Rod does um, allude to suicide. Um, a couple of times, very, very um, briefly and um, kind of in coded language, but I did not want it to catch anyone off guard. Um, so you can expect just a conversation between past lovers here. Um, and then next episode, we are talking with the amazing Adrian Marie Brown, which was like, Ah, was amazing to be able to sit down with her and have an incredible conversation about her work and uh, where her work has intersected in my life in really important ways. And um, most of the episodes that are from this season were actually recorded uh, last year. So um, things have shifted and changed, but they're still really beautiful and important. And I'm super excited to share them with you. So I will talk to you at the end of the episode. Much love. Um, hello, hello. hello. How are you? I'm alive to see another day, so I'm good. Yeah, same. Um, so listeners, this is like a very unique podcast episode um, because normally I'm interviewing, you know, industry folk and like whatever whatever and thinkers and not to say that rod is not one of any of those things 
Um, we're just not talking about that. We are gonna be talking about us. And so um, I'm gonna still start with the same question that I ask all my guests and that's what made you you. Well, um, I wish I had a more bright and cheery answer, but uh, honestly, some early childhood trauma <laughs> made me me. Uh, but then an early, a very early decision to consistently overcome those obstacles. Mm -hmm. At a really young age, I had a moment where I was like, okay, dude, you're either gonna just end it or you're gonna push through. And obviously I chose to push through and that voice is what comes in my head at all my hardest moments. Um, I'm choked up even thinking about it already. Um, yeah, and so, you know, life is always full of opportunities to grow and things that make us look back at ourselves. And, you know, having the things that happened early in my life uh, happen and adopting this mindset allowed me to see life in a way that led me to the mind I have now and the life I live now and the friends that I have now. And uh, I'm really happy about that. I've got an awesome tribe of people and uh, most times my life feels pretty fulfilling. <laughs> There's areas that I'm trying to, you know, change, but that's, that's, that's what life is about, right? Changing and adapting. Constantly. Um, I feel like it's kind of a good segue to like talk about us and our relationship a little bit. Cause I feel like in a lot of ways we were in a constant, we were in a five year um, change and adapt chamber. <laughs> um, so me, we should just set the scene for mm -hmm. the folks that don't know our love story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> who like, um, who, oh, wait, before we even get into that, I think for the listeners, I had intended to do this interview last year, this time. Like I have been planning this interview for a full calendar year. And last year, this time, we were living in Rochester, New York together with our two dogs. And a year now, we are across the country from one another, no longer in romantic relationship. And our dogs, we've split our dogs up. <laughs> um, we're both in completely different career spaces than we were a year ago. Jesus. And our life looks a hundred percent different um so it's actually way more of a juicy episode than it would have been a year ago 100 <laughs> percent. Uh, good god oh my god yeah definitely definitely um so anyway let's give the background of like what did how did we start why did we start and why does it even fucking matter for like people who were listening <laughs> That last question, I can't tell you. Uh, people know you. That's why people people are like, oh, this is the cute relationship that I saw online that, you know, whatever I related to in whatever way I'm guessing or who knows. But um, I like telling the story a lot. Um, and it's funny because the very beginning of the story I used to cringe about talking about. But now the world has changed and you can talk about it. Uh, but yeah, we were a Tinder match. Um, oh, oh, oh. Yes. <laughs> and so again, this is five years ago. Um, Rochester, New York's Tinder scene is uh, leaves a lot to be desired, but you know, sometimes <laughs> you come across some people 
and you're just like, I need to talk to you. And for me, that's what happened. I saw her, and this is back before like Tinder Plus and all that mess. Uh, and uh, you know, I threw one of those good old super likes because I was like, yo, I, I need to have a conversation. She looks unique. You know, I saw something about yoga in your bio. I was like deep into my spiritual journey at that point in time. And I didn't know a damn thing about yoga, but I knew that it was like in alignment with the things that I was interested in. And that's all I needed. I was like, okay, she's black, she's nearby, she's beautiful. <laughs> and she's thinking about something else. And literally from the jump, our first message conversations were good. And on that app, that's rare. And then, you know, we were thirsty as hell to see each other. I have literally <laughs> just got out of the hospital. Like I was damn near an agoraphobe at that time. Uh, not a joke. Uh, that was like the first time I left my house in like quite some time. And not only did I leave my house, I kicked, pushed, skateboarded over two miles uh, at the end of summertime. No, 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 the beginning of summertime because it's still a little chilly, but not really. Yeah, Got it was like April. Yeah, it was like April. Yeah, so it was like mild weather, but I was overdressed because I always am. And uh, I get to you. And I'm trying to act like I'm not dripping in sweat. <laughs> <laughs> and that is perfectly normal that a grown man just skateboarded two point something miles. Um, well, grown man, how old was I? Like 20, what, 23? 23. Somewhere around yeah. there. 23. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So then uh, we always say that, like, that <laughs> my favorite memory, I think, um, we got to chatting and there was a point in time where we started like running through the list of people we knew, trying to figure out how we knew each other because there was this feeling of like strong, strong recognition. It's not kind of like, it didn't even feel like deja vu. It literally felt mm -hmm. like, no, I know you. Like, yeah. I know I know you. And like, I have dreams where I see things that haven't happened yet. It didn't even feel like that. It literally felt like, no, I've, I've known you for a while. Yeah. It almost felt like memories. Like, I almost feel like I had a memory of you, like, in my nervous system of, like, like, I knew, like, it was, it's like, I knew you. Um, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it was, like, kind of like, it was, like, a, a programming already. It was, like, yeah, yeah, this is the person I'm supposed to know. And at that moment, let's be honest for the viewers, we both, even though we were into each other intellectually, we kind of knew that, like, we were looking for a physical relationship more than anything. I mean, it is Tinder. Uh, <laughs> and at that moment though and my brand shut all that down I was like nope nope I'm not gonna let this be you know a vapid connection I'm not gonna say that the sexual connection would have been vapid but something told me like no you have to know this woman and so energy shifted and then we just fucking talked each other's ears off for 12 hours uh, our yeah. first date lasted 12 hours yeah, it was, it, was, it was bonkers. And uh, <laughs> my other strong memory is us like passionately making out in the elevator. Uh, I don't think the viewers need to hear all of that. They do, they do. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'll skip other juicy details like that, but that's one of my favorite memories because I'm not a fast mover when I meet people at all. You know, part of my trauma from my younger years is around physical intimacy. And so for me to be like drawn to someone uh, that quickly and to feel safe and all those things, 
uh, it felt important to say, um, especially because again, it was just very cliche movie scene type stuff. We were like, yeah. the doors closed, and then it was like, <laughs> um, and uh, and yeah, and I was still playing. I mean, I wasn't playing hard to get because I wasn't being hard to get. I, I, it was more of like we were very consciously moving at a controlled pace i think that's the best way to say it um and that paid off immensely i mean it was controlled place pace sexually but like emotionally and mentally it definitely wasn't because i just yeah. remember like when we've met like we hung out because i was still i was like the end of my semester and then so it was like like two or three weeks before I was like the end of my semester and I was to go home and um we hung out like every like every day yeah after that um and then I left and then you ended up moving to Chicago and the love story kind of picks back up this was in April when we met the love story picks back up in July um, because I came to see you in Chicago. Well, I came to see you a little bit for it, like in like June or something. Um, when Chanel came and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember. <laughs> and um, and then I came to see you in July, and we had this incredible time. Like J Chicago will always be a magical place to me because of our relationship. Like I don't think I can actually go to Chicago without bumping into all of the memories of you and I but um yeah <laughs> but so we had this like really beautiful time and then we decided to be in a relationship together and I know that was dramatic which we do not need to get into that it's a very specific story <laughs> <laughs> you sure because I like that yes. story too well fuck it tell it oh uh, no no I was joking I'm not uh, okay, it was just impromptu <laughs> as hell it was funny sure, as too. Oh, you want me just to? Just like spare my ego. Like just spare my ego. Like there let's move over that story. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we decided to be together. It was this July 20, 22nd, 2016. Um, we were long distance for a year. And then we you moved back to Rochester and we moved in together. So those are like very specific details. You had but, a short stay in Chicago before I came back to Rochester. Oh yeah, yeah. I moved to Chicago for the summer before yeah. we moved back to Rochester together. And I guess it's like, who were we prior to each other? Like, who were we? Who did we like move from? For me, I had been recently out of a very toxic relationship um like only had been out for a few months and um was kind of I was still in school I was I just I don't even know that bitch anymore I'm like I don't even know who she was let but her like, go I was, she, I mean she's been gone but yeah. like she was like deeply insecure in a lot of ways but still like trying to find her footing um and I always laugh because I think like the summer 2016 is infamous for me because it was kind of the moment that I came back to myself in really important ways after having lost myself for the past year and a half prior to that. Um, and meeting you 
you in my head were this free being and you were free in all the ways that I, I was not yet and was wanting to be. Um, and you were interested in all the concepts that I was, was growing into. Um, and so I feel like in a lot of ways, I was just at the like precipice of coming into the person that I am today. Like this was like the rebirth. I had died a little bit before that and meeting you in a lot of ways was the rebirth. Yeah, I mean, I felt that that's pretty much how it played out in my head. Uh, like see, witnessing, well, in hindsight, witnessing, you know, who I grew to see you as and then who you started to become. Uh, to answer your question on my end, um, you know, giving a little more context on the childhood trauma thing, uh, a few years prior, my best friend had passed away. And um, it sent me into a deep dive into like, what is life? Like, I wanted to know what life was. I don't know why it's hard to talk about this still. Uh, normally, I could tell the story really easily. But um, first thing I did <laughs> was I started going to church with my mom. So I was, you know, more information for viewers. I was going through an emancipation court hearing uh, to separate from my parents. That's a story that I'm not getting into. And um, me and my mom had an estranged relationship at the time. And so I started going to church with her. And, and Christianity was the first foray into what lies beyond, beyond existence. Uh, at that point in time, I just wanted to believe in something because I thought people that believed in things had this joy that I didn't understand. And so I threw myself all in. And anyone that knows me knows that when I like go all in on something, I'm all in. Um, and it was so rewarding. And then that led me, oh God, do I admit this? That I'll just say that it led me into a whole bunch of other different faith systems, uh, some more controversial than others. And I just took what I needed. And then the thing that I learned was love. And love was the unifying factor between all of them. So instead of trying to learn these theological stories and backgrounds, I studied love. And uh, on top of that, I had, just, I had just ended a long distance, not just, but I had ended a very powerful long distance relationship where we were working really hard to make it to the freaking altar very young. We didn't feel like we were young because we were, we were on pace to achieve all the adult things and we were doing everything right. So we, we thought we knew what we were doing. We had no idea. Um, I had no faith yet. I didn't know love yet. So how was I going to make it? before God in a holy, no, it wasn't gonna work. Um, and, but at the end of the relationship, I realized that I wasn't exactly monogamous. You know, I, as soon as the relationship ended, I was like, I don't know, something had changed. I knew that I still uh, desired love, but I didn't know, I basically felt like I had to, hmm, practice love differently. And so that's what I was doing when I met you was I was my first tiptoes into what it would look like to practice this new type of love, this free love, this instant vulnerability, uh, instead of making people jump through hoops. And 
you know, I used to look back at the memories right before you begrudgingly because I, I went through a decent amount of stress and bullshit. And uh, now that I talk it back through, I realize it was just preparing me to make the decisions that led me to you, that led to making some more powerful life-changing decisions. And it's pretty freaking dope when you look at it <laughs> like that. So long story short, I was learning how to choose love when I met you and you were the like the the most success I had had with being instantly vulnerable and instantly open and accepting of a stranger. Um, and that's kind of how we set the groundwork for the relationship too, was like, okay, we're gonna make this commitment to love. I don't know if that's like a spoiler for any other questions, but that was how we ended up defining our partnership. We didn't ever really call it, between you and I, we didn't call it a relationship, but just an easy word for other people to understand. But, um, you know, the partnership was set about continually choosing love for each other. You know, that was like the key to our success was when it's hard, choose love. When you're mad, choose love. When they stank, choose love. Like, <laughs> um, and I think what's also really important and this is a little bit of a spoiler alert, but like, we weren't great at that. <laughs> like, even though, you know, like we had, that was the intention. Like we set this intention. And, I, and actually my next question was like, you know, going into the relationship, we had a lot of hopes and dreams. Like we kind of like, we had a desire about what it was gonna look like and what it was gonna be. And I had a desire about the trajectory of it. And, and like, um, we weren't great at it. <laughs> I, at least I will say I was not great at it. And, um, but I think the dream was beautiful. Like mm -hmm. the dream was like fan-fucking-tastic to choose love consistently. Um, it's beautiful like that's like forever like that's a forever intention in every relationship regardless of sex or not or romance or not it is the intention yeah I think that again hindsight being 2020 one of the other qualities that made us such a good pairing was that we were very like goal driven and mm -hmm. but that was our weakness is we were so mm -hmm. focused on the goal we were ignoring the the journey and that was me 100% when I met you. I was like, the thing that I was drawn to about you was you were more practical in a lot of ways than I was. I was at that point in time, head all in the clouds. Like all I cared about was my dreams and like living life like a utopia. And to a degree, I think I was actually pretty damn good at it because of my naivety. But the issue was, was like, the material world is going to ask certain things of you that having a mind cannot change. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, in theory, I could be homeless and have all the happiness in the world, or I could do a little work in the material world and not be homeless. <laughs> and so, you know, I was trying to find that balance between like, you know, like higher energies and lower grounding energies. And, um, you know, you represented a lot of that, but our weakness again was that we were like, yeah, oh my God, we're going to totally be married if we just figure out how to constantly choose love, forgetting the fact that like, we have never actually tried that. And for both of us, the love that we were practicing was not the love that we uh, grew up with or 
practiced in past relationships or right. even had we had chance. never we had never done it and we had never seen it done yeah and yeah. so we were always like talking to other successful couples that were vastly different from us trying to pick little pieces like okay they do this well and to be honest and i hope she listens to this i'm pretty sure she will uh my mom gave so much uh insight because eerily enough both of us were repeating our parents decisions in romance and it terror that was the most terrifying piece was like are we going to live in their shadow and make the same mistakes that they made because the story of my parents was that they were a super couple like they all they will both tell you that there was nothing they couldn't accomplish together but when they couldn't put their pride aside didn't matter and so that always haunted me and uh in our own ways you know we were trying to like again look to these examples and like we would talk to community leaders and people with more spiritual practice or more um, deeply practiced uh, spiritual you know lives I don't yeah, know words are yeah. <laughs> um but you know it just I think again another spoiler biggest lesson was learned was just fucking flow dude like yeah seriously yeah, and it it sucks because like I didn't realize till after this relationship. I, I I'm probably gonna cry before this episode's over, but I didn't realize until after this relationship that I did that to everyone I tried to love. Was I had an expectation of what we could be? Probably because that's how I was raised. I was raised in a household where I was expected to be the greatest, um, and that I was expected to maximize all my potential. And I was mm -hmm. taught that wasted potential is the worst thing in the world. Mm -hmm. And um, and that was what I brought to love. And that is not what love is about. And like, we were practicing love, but then we had all this expectation. And we were trying mm -hmm. to figure out what love without expectation looked like, because it was going so against our programmings. And we were like, well, wait a minute, but if I'm not getting satisfied, how do I love you? Because you're not loving me. No, they are. And that was the thing is we had to understand that like, I think one of the biggest things is people are always doing the best they know. If you choose to see people like that, you're gonna be fine. We just didn't know that yet. Again, we didn't have enough experience. Yeah, and I also, I know for me, I was so wrapped up in the need of like getting my needs met and the fear of them not getting met and the fear of not being safe because I had been in relationships where I had was not safe. And so I was so preoccupied with my own trauma responses that I was never able to actually see you, especially not like in the, the middle towards the end, you know, like in the beginning, I think you have all of this like rose colored glasses, which I start, I'm actually, I think that like um, the honeymoon phase is really interesting because that piece about seeing no, seeing no wrong in your partner, I think is like the key. And it's not to like take all their bullshit, mm -hmm. but to like always hold them in an air and in the, the um 
the view of deep love and acceptance. And I know that, I mean, spoiler alert to the end, but it's fine. Like one of the deep lessons that I got from our relationship was like, loving someone literally just means accepting, continuously accepting exactly who they are, how they show up in the ways that they show up and removing your own attachment to that shit. Like just remove yours and just let them be them. And when you can be whole enough in yourself where you're like, I'm good over here, like I'm straight. So that person can then be them fully. And um, I think that that's like where I know for me, I fucked that up. I fucked that all the way up <laughs> with us. And to, to piece onto that, you know, for the astrology folks, I have a Libra moon. And Libra is ruled by partnership. My entire chart essentially says that I grow from other people. Like I'm good at teaching myself things, but I'm better at witnessing people and growing from them. And the way that I was playing out during the time that you're explaining was you were talking about having your needs met. And so my Libra moon was freaking out. It was like, meet the needs, meet the needs, meet the needs. And I focused on nothing else because the things that you were asking of me were essentially asking me, we didn't know at the time, but asking me to overcome some of my deepest, uh, deep, most deeply suppressed traumas, traumas I didn't know that I was holding on to. And uh, so I, it, it was this deep journey for me that I got so lost in. I forgot how many other aspects of a relationship are necessary. Like, yeah, it's important to put your best foot forward, but that doesn't mean anything, especially if you're fueling your self-growth with something that's not love. You know, I was fueling my growth with fear of rejection, of fear of, you know, harming you. That's like one of my deepest fears is someone I love being harmed by my actions. And I'm still trying to work through that. Um, and so these, it was bringing out ugly pieces of me. We would get into little tiffs and you would say something like, you did this. And that Libra moon would be like, no. But then all my fire would be like, how dare you say I did this rather than just meeting you. And that was like one of our longer, uh, you know, things. Cause it was like, you like you said, it wasn't witnessing me because I'd be like, no, I'm just trying to love you, babe. Like I'm trying to love you rather than saying, I understand how my actions made you feel this way. It was never my intention to do so. And I'm sorry. I'm trying to love you as best I can. How can I show up better for you? Also, you know, this is what I need in order to do that. We figured that piece out at the last like 5% months ago. <laughs> Like we were both tired. We just fought 12 rounds and it was like, you know, there was, and not to say that like, it was, you know, a strictly painful relationship. I'd say actually a majority of our relationship was very good. It just, our bad had so much energy because we're such, the things that make us great humans in this capitalistic world, were also the things that made us butt heads the most is we're headstrong. And so it's like, mm -hmm. uh, my will versus so your will. 
we're oh yeah and that's the thing is like we're both just deeply like strong willed individuals and we're huge personalities like like both of us are huge fucking personalities and so like trying to we didn't know like compromise wasn't a thing that we really knew how to navigate in a way that like made sense yeah had i learned about dr marshall rosenberg a little sooner <laughs> for anyone that's curious this man to me is like i'm not gonna you know put him on a pedestal of making him a deity but to me one of the maybe four human figures that's changed my life the most uh he taught nonviolent communication which also ties into the polyvagal theory which you have an episode on anyone want to learn about the polyvagal theory i highly highly recommend you to do that and listen to the episode um but nonviolent communication is simply about coming to a conclusion between two people where it's rooted in compassion and that's mm -hmm. it it's like you know when you say it like that it's like oh duh like yeah, I have a need, you have a need. We don't have to sacrifice anything. We just have to think about each other's emotions. And again, we're early 20s. We only had a handful of serious relationships. And then in those serious relationships, we weren't actually actively pursuing anything. We were just kind of feeling things. You know, no shade mm -hmm. against all the people I love prior to, but if y'all listen, y'all know we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> also, if y'all listening, hey <laughs> yeah hey but that's a whole other conversation <laughs> i'm glad you're listening but uh where you come from <laughs> <laughs>
and then we evaluate your value see what is working for you what isn't working for you and then are you living in alignment to those values and then we work through what it looks like to be an embodiment of those values an embodiment of your intuition and then we move into the connection piece which is all about anti-oppressions and the ways that we live out the systems of oppressions daily through the ways that we talk the ways that we walk the choices that we make and things that we support and how do we undo that how do we remove those things from our embodied program um, and that's what we work through with the coaching intensive, which is a really beautiful opportunity to dig deep into your liberation and to create frameworks and systems for that. So if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can do that through the link in the show notes or go to letsgetnaked.com slash coaching. Now let's get back to the episode. Um, earlier, I want to kind of circle back and I want to lose, leave too many loose ends. Um, earlier you had said that you, you know, in your previous relationship prior to me, you realized that you weren't monogamous. And so I'm sure people were like, okay, so how did that work? I mean, you may or may not folks, I'm thinking for you, but, um, like (laughs) how did that work? in our relationship. So when we started dating, we made a very clear decision to be monogamous. And that was actually something that you really spearheaded based on me not being poly at the time, but also being interested in knowing that that was something that we would grow into later. Um, But I guess I'll ask you the question of like, how did that, like your identity is poly show up or not show up in our relationship. Ooh, we Jesus. Uh it showed up in so many ways. Um coming into this interview, I knew that there are certain things that's gonna leave out just in case my mom listens. And I know that like you know what I'm getting at. And I know that the listeners that know what I'm getting at know what I'm getting at. But <laughs> <laughs> but um I w- <laughs> I will say that for me, my expression of polyamory, I, I identify this present moment as a relationship anarchist. I didn't know what that was at that period of time, but the way it plays out for me is that my relationships, uh, the way I explain it to people now is that love is like water and it takes the form of whatever vessel you put it in. And I let the people I meet choose the shape and size of that vessel and when I stopped pouring into them. And I had been practicing that most of my, from teen years up until then, unconsciously, is I would meet people and I would just experience these unique relationships. And that was kind of what, uh, what sprung it towards the end of my last relationship, to be honest, was I was meeting humans and I was so confused as to how I had deep love for people while I passionately loved another woman. I was told that that wasn't possible, that the love isn't real if you love someone else. And I was like, no, I love this person, but I wanna sleep with them. I'm not sexually attracted to them or I don't even want a relationship with them, but I, I, I deeply care about them so much. And it tore me to shreds 
because again, I was told that someone that feels that way is a bad person. And that was what initially led me into my first foray into non-monogamy. And the way I practiced it at first was just being as straightforward and honest about my intentions as I could with people so that they never had any questions. Cause that's, I was like, well, I can't hurt you if you know everything. <laughs> and so going into our relationship, I mean, it played a lot of roles. It kind of structured how we loved each other, first off, um, because it started to simplify our approach to just loving each other and caring for each other. So that was the first thing I could say. We also, early on, we had set the expectation that like our relationship wasn't going to, oh yeah, yeah, that's a great way to touch on it. Our relationship wasn't meant to be permanently monogamous. You know, you touched on it a little bit that um, when I first met you, I sometimes forget that. When I first met you, I was like, "Eh, let's not go open at first. Because again, I knew that it was so new to you. And the little bit of experience I had was (laughs) that when something like that is new to someone, especially someone with a really healthy sex life, it's hard for them to juggle uh, what are real emotions for, not to discredit, but what are lasting emotions and what are quick flames and also to juggle their time and their energy. And I knew what we were forming was going to be something groundbreaking and i was i was terrified to screw that up i was like all right if we hop straight into this practice and we're long distance like right is this gonna is this gonna have the same trajectory and i think for us we would start to uh change the dynamic of our monogamy i heard you once say monogamish uh and I think that's a funny term, even though those ish shows really gotta die. Like, if, <laughs> if they make a monogamish show, I'm you just, better leave them alone. You better leave them alone. They're getting their money. Yeah, problematic enough. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, and so our relationship was just fluctuating in and out of like, I'll share this much. I'm pretty sure my mom knows this. We would, you know seek new seek new partners and that was honestly yes and that was honestly uh really important because what i found is that in a traditional monogamous structure when you're focusing on loving one person for so long you uh you start to think that there's like a one-size-fits-all approach to love But then when we would throw a new person into the mix, we'd be like, oh, whole new needs, communication style. And it helped us grow and stay fresh and not stay fresh in a weird old people swinging type of way, (laughs) but like stay fresh in a like changing our perspective. I would see someone else trying to care for you in a way that I didn't know how to, and it would teach me. And I was like, oh, you mean to tell me that all I got to do to make her happy is, is this, this, and this? And so every time we would try, successful or not, there was so much growth that would happen. And mm-hmm. it also taught me, it was kind of like trial, what do they say, trial by fire? Because mm-hmm. again, it was my first like serious foray into polyamory. And you don't know if it's going to work until you do it. And 
very quickly, at least for me, I was like, oh yeah, no, this is this is alignment. Like there were very few times. Yeah, I I had to think about it because I'm trying to be as honest as possible. But I, there were very, very few times that like any feathers on my end would get ruffled. And I said the first time it was was just like with physical touch is a love language. Like that was my weakness coming into the relationship. Uh, again, because of past experiences. And, um, you know, I'd witness someone that that was their go-to. And I'd be like, God, they make it look so easy. <laughs> and, uh, but that eventually taught me that it actually, once you start getting out of your own way, things are really easy. Uh, stop worrying about myself and worry about loving the person in front of me. All of a sudden it got a lot easier. So uh, that piece of, you know, coming into it with that intention of growing towards you know a fully because i believe that was our intention was like we were and we still never fully articulated how it was going to play out because again no one ever especially married couples they never talk about this shit Mm -hmm. um because i think what's important to note is that like we were still very clearly on the trajectory of we were going to get married we're going to have a home together we were gonna um have babies and and like all of that was we didn't know how to navigate that and, and, and like honestly like it's difficult because I'm like there are no representation of poly relationships in media so like you can't how the fuck are we supposed to know to be black to be queer to be um like and to be poly I'm like how there's no like representation around that at least not in the media so it's very difficult for us I I know I was like seeking that out I was like what the fuck does that look like what does it even mean how do you do it how do you navigate the time and all of that and um we were really just kind of feeling it out and fumbling yeah and the funniest part though is (laughs) and like sometimes it's funny sometimes it hurts but towards the end of the relationship was honestly probably our prime like I think that we had gotten so many things into a rhythm like our 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 performances of love languages our sex life our communication um and we were like yeah yeah like opening the relationship makes sense now and then you know we just you know it was still there was still the lingering questions of like again what does an open marriage look like? Like I think about, this is right. a story I don't tell people very often because nobody knows who I'm talking about, but there was this basketball player back in the day, Andre, Andre Kirilenko. Um, and it went public in like late nineties, early two thousands that his wife would let him sleep with other women while he was on the road. And it blew up and people were coming for her. Men were like cheering him on, of course. And it was I just this, talk about that. Yeah. And uh, it was this this controversial thing. And I think that that set a tone publicly for any public figure that had like a non-traditional relationship to just be quiet. Because, yeah, again, she got unfairly ridiculed and he got praised and, you know, and they devalued the content of the relationship. And I think that's the big piece, you know there was for a little while all these swirling questions about Will and Jada and no one will ever really know what the truth is of their relationship. Um, And it's like, 
again, we had the stigma around, well, marriage means this. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's America's biggest problem. And that's and another division. Just to kind of come back to us a little bit, that um, we never, even in the beginning, when we were like, oh, our trajectory is to get married, we never had the perception that our marriage was going to be a traditional marriage. We never thought that that was like going to be a thing because like I'm whole ass gay. And I was like, I want to explore that side of my, my personhood um, throughout my life. And so um, I think also it's important to note that when we talk about like we had all these trajectory thoughts, we weren't also meaning like. Yeah, the traditional. Right, exactly. In my brain, Um, this massive love fest commune, (laughs) communism. (laughs) That's our wife uh, type thing. You know, that was ideally, especially in this economy. Uh, I mean, listen, <laughs> um, I want to, we got to like move towards the end of our love story. Yeah. Um, there is no end of our love story. Spoiler alert. But, um, <laughs> but um, let's talk about breakup. Ooh. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, that is fun. Um, so I'm going to actually start. Okay. Because um, I want to give a little, just so everyone can feel really bad for me. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just fucking playing. <laughs> <laughs> um, when Rod and I, uh, the week that Rod and I were, our relationship shifted out of romantic container, out of the romantic container. Um, I actually, that following week had a, um, a, uh, appointment to, with our friend who's a jeweler, cause I was going to propose. So in my head, Rod and I were in a very specific space that we were going to be moving into this next chapter of our relationship. And, um, obviously it wasn't perfect. Like our rela- like let, let me say that also saying that our relationship was not perfect. It was very trying more often than it should have been. Um, and just with communication, our communication, we just fumbled through learning how to communicate with each other and care for each other in the ways that we needed to be caring for each other. And so my sob story is, is that I was going to propose to the love of my life. <laughs> and then on a Tuesday in February, you was like, nah. Continue with your side of the story. You know, it's, uh, I guess the story gets a little funnier when I tell your perspective a little bit more. So you were in like a, a triggered space. I can't remember what started it. But I remember you started and we were in the kitchen and you were crying and you were just like, why do you even love me? I don't do this, 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 and this. And I had never really truly put thought to the things that you said before that moment. But some reason I was just open to hearing you. Because I guess I was, I know that. And let me pause you before you continue. Sorry, because I want to say that like this was actually the Friday before we broke up. 
and we had like a really intense conversation and again I don't remember what the fuck it was about it was never about anything like whatever um at least like the the stimulus of it um but it was so funny because this is how presence works at least for me is the more that I meditate the more that I do my work it's not necessarily that things get easier it is that things get more clear so I remember so specifically before I said these very words to you that ended up sticking in your brain, I remember my highest self, if you want to call it, or whomever in the back of my head say, do not say that. Ooh, that just felt like something moved through me when you said that. Whoa. I mean, I believe. I remember so specifically because when you broke up with me and said those words, that this was the thing that shifted it for you, I was like, Fuck. Yeah, but and anyway. the reason why I just had like a not visceral—that's not the right word—but such a I had a tremendous reaction to your word just now was because when you were talking to me, that's what I was getting ready to say was it felt like you like woke me up with those words, and it was like this part of me that didn't really exist prior to was like Rod, it's time to care about yourself, and it mm. was like I had like it started this uh, this uh, butterfly effect of me realizing how long I haven't been caring about myself the way that I actually should. And, you know, like I said earlier, my Libra moon was like trying to bend over backwards for the relationships in my life. But the most important relationship you have in your life is with yourself. And I realized I've been mean to myself. I've been ignoring my needs. You used to ask me all the time in the relationship, what do you need from me? And I'd be like, nothing. And like, because I thought that love didn't need anything but at the same time we would talk about like having the most fertile soil in our relationship how the hell are we going to have a garden together if only one side is actively worrying about fertilizing and the other one's like no we're just going to grow hardy plants that can survive <laughs> like that was my thought processes was i should be able to withstand anything. I, I literally was trying to train myself to be able to love through any, anything. And it's an okay-ish idea, but it shouldn't be- But you, you lose the whole, the like ground in which you can love, which is you. Like the ground in which you, you love everything is from the love for yourself. And so if that is not there, I don't even understand how there's any flowers. There, Cause there's no soil. Yeah. And so, you know, part of it is like, I come from this family that is like resilient. Everyone, you go down my family tree, there is a crazy story that could be a best selling novel out of everybody. And so it's like the rose that grew through from the concrete is like the Coleman Golf Evans, you know, backstory. And um, so again, that was like kind of my fuel. But when you said those words, something woke up in me that was like, she's right. You do deserve this. You're awesome. You're magnificent. God has loved you for your entire life. You should be getting loved the way that God has loved you and giving you mercy and grace and compassion. And these were also things that I was learning through our relationship. As I tried to, and I wish I talked about this more, as I tried to learn love more, I had to learn God more because they're synonymous. And I started to look at the ways in my life that I've gotten loved by this all-powerful being you know, whatever you want to consider God to be. And um, I recognized that that was not what I was asking of. 
and it hurt so bad. I was fucked up. And I work as an EMT and we were in the midst of fighting COVID, you know, it was nuts out there. So I'm going to work these 40, 50 hour, or never 40, but 48 to 55 hour work weeks and, you know, busting my butt. And I'm at work thinking about this stuff. And then I'm coming home and I'm trying to act like I'm okay, but I couldn't shake the idea. And then the other thing that was screaming in my head was integrity. I was like, I can't show up for you if this is what is now alive inside of me. And the more I uh, lamented on these ideas or ruminated on these ideas, uh, the, the more full of shit I felt because I would, I would realize more things. And I was like, I can't. And I was like, it hurt so bad, but I was like, I can't give her the permanent romantic relationship that she deserves because we've built a relationship for five years that we're not going to be able to undo it in the time that we were expecting because I knew we were at the precipice I didn't know what you were doing but I knew that we were pretty close to like do or die it's like all right you ain't shit can get off the pot like you know are we are we moving to, you know, marriage and children and, you know, buying land and all the things that we have been working towards, or are we ending this? And I'm not good with ultimatums at all. I hate them. And so I kept putting it out of my head because again, I felt like I could get through anything, but it wasn't about getting through anything. It was about giving you what you deserved and also giving myself what I deserved. And that last yeah. part was the hardest piece because up until then, I didn't believe, to be honest, if I'm being really honest with myself and the viewers, I didn't believe that I deserved greatness. And, you know, we can look at the way my life has played out and the way it's starting to play out now. And that was one of the biggest changes was recognizing what I actually deserve and what I want to pursue. And, you know, to segue to, you know, where we're at now, you know, we're still figuring out how the fuck you transition fully out of such a powerful, insane relationship. But one of the things that we both said publicly multiple times is that I think we learned that all soul ties, like deep, like, you know, reincarnated relationships are not meant to be romantic for everyone listening. Your soulmate, no funny shit could probably be your puppy that you grew up with. Like it may not be the person you marry. Like, to be honest, I lost my childhood dog and I realized, oh crap, she chose me before so this life started, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so- I look at Indy and I have the same thought every day. Yeah, same with this doofus sativa. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Some days I look at him, I'm like, how did you get in my life? And then he just looking at his behaviors and like, oh, you chose me and I chose you. I see this, I, I see what's happening here. And, you know, not every powerful relationship is meant to be the romantic, permanent, childbearing love of your life, you know, um, or at least all of those things, you know, it could be a couple right. of them. Um, but it's yeah, also I mean, like, sorry, um, like the word love of my life changed in meaning after our breakup, because I absolutely believe that you are one of the loves of my life. It's plural though. Like that's the thing that's really important is that it's plural. Like Indy is one, and when we say Indy, that's my, one of our dogs that, the one that I kept, um, he's so nutty. And like, we've had a really hard relationship, me and Indica, but like, he's one of the loves of my life. 
I'm so clear of that now. And so I think what's important is that like, after doing ayahuasca, I had this very like weird (laughs) relationship about time and space and like how none of it was real. And when I thought of you in that experience of thinking about time and space, and I was like, oh, like we were, we were in the beginning, we were like, we're going to be together forever, quote unquote. And I was like, oh, that has not shifted. That has not changed. We will be, I I often think I'm like for better, for worse, like Rod and I are for better, for worse, figuring this out. Um, And I think that that um, people have this very specific idea about what relationships are supposed to be. And our relationship has completely blown the lid on that for me from its inception to now. Um, and we need to wrap it up, but what's your like last thoughts? <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah, it sent me into, I'm so shocked I haven't cried talking about half this shit because so much of it is so sensitive to me, but I, during our relationship, I was, I had to heal a piece of myself around the previous relationship I had. And that was another time where I broke up with someone that again, I was aiming for permanence with. And I felt like we had fallen short. I think I felt like more I had fallen short, but I definitely felt like we had fallen short. Um, And I always think about, and I know that you used to get so annoyed when I say this, but that stupid song is not stupid. It's a great song, but Pretty Wings by Maxwell. Like when you actually listen to it, it is literally just about like letting someone go that you love so they can be greater. And that is to me, it is one of the hardest but most beautiful things to do. And with my ex, I felt like I was doing that. And I know, I don't know what the hell she's doing now, but I know she's probably doing great things. Like I, I'm certain of it. Um, but I, I didn't think about myself in that. And so then with you, this second go round, it was like, no, it's the both of us that are gonna have greatness. And I remember telling you that in the midst of the hardest part, like the first couple of days. I, I didn't like, want to hear that shit. <laughs> I was like, we're going to have greatness that we don't understand. And this was the last test was to see, can you let go? Because, you know, we know that nothing is permanent in this world, that things are always changing and that you're going to be asked to let go of things you love for things that you will love more. And I didn't know what that was. Or just different experiences of love. Yeah. True, true, true. Yeah. And I didn't know what that was going to look like, but I can say that like, making that decision launched a series of choices that I've been making for myself that I believe are taking me to where I'm supposed to be. And to even be able to say that, normally I would say stuff like that and I'd flinch. I'd be like, no, I'm not really gonna get there. But (laughs) now I'm at a point where I'm like, no, I'm getting there. Like there's no if, ands, or buts. I'm gonna keep making these choices that are rooted in self-love and compassion for others and it's not gonna fail. Because you keep choosing love, that shit's not gonna fail. Even if the other person that you're interacting with is not landing for, eventually that karmic return, it's going to continue bringing you along in your journey. And as long as we keep surrendering, which we are kind of, I think we've gotten a lot better at, (laughs) uh, I think it's gonna continue taking us to, 
you know, heights and lengths and degrees that we can never fathom. And I'm terrified, but <laughs> excited nonetheless. I think one of the most painful and beautiful parts of our breakup to me was the first time we talked after I left Rochester. Um, the first time we talked on the phone. And we both were talking and we were both like, we're happier than we've been in the last however long. Like we felt happier than we'd been for I don't know how long. And it was so painful and triggering for me and ended up being so deeply beautiful because I think it is what you said, like, you know, the pretty wings bullshit, but like you let it go for something deeper and greater. And I, and I also think it's like, when we first broke up, of course I had language around we failed relationship, but I'm like, there was nothing, like we chose love and love brought us here. It brought us to being able to navigate out of such a deep and intense relationship in really beautiful ways. It hasn't been perfect. We have had some hard conversations and some some shit. But and like, but like it's brought us to a point where I think in so many ways our relationship is much stronger. Uh, and more truthful than it ever has been before. And so that's the love, like that's the joy, that's the love, that's the enlightenment, like, and yeah, like it sucks. Like we were supposed to, we were supposed to be buying a house, you know? <laughs> and we're, you know, set on our own path. That's fantastic and beautiful. And both of us are thriving in very specific ways. Um, and moving into our new relationships in ways that are like deep and meaningful and transcendent. And so it's gorgeous. Like yeah. it, the experience, I will never not have the utmost gratitude for the experience. And I feel deeply blessed, even though sometimes I question it because, you know, it is it's also relationship with you feels it just feels like work <laughs> it feels like work often um but it's often been extremely meaningful um and has changed me I would not be me I would not be me had not been for you Ooh, yeah. now I'm gonna cry <laughs> in my in my worst moments I'd be like fuck man the pain that I went through and the arguments like oh, this was just the hardest relationship. But then it's like, it's like when you focus again on that, that 5%, that feel, because really, and again, we had a majority good days, a majority good times, but we were also people that were very fiery people. And, you know, our birth charts just blessed us in those ways. And looking back, you know, I say this to my current partners now all the time. And, uh, that just mirroring what you essentially just said that I I can't fathom I don't even know if I'd be alive let's be real like I can't fathom what my life would be like had we not I, I literally holy shit yeah so much would have changed my ideas of freedom my pursuit of it my belief in it my desire to seek out 
grandiosity. I think that's the other thing because like I was at points in times feeling defeated in life in our relationship as you were rising to your your to who you are meant to be. And that brought me back was seeing someone that I witnessed come from their rock bottom choosing over and over again to never go back there i was like oh wait 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 wait! this is possible this is possible like stop stop doubting yourself and uh yeah so it would uh yeah there's no me there's no me now i mean even like being an ent literally was bred from me learning deep compassion you know compassion and empathy with things that were not my strong suits because i was so logical and intellectually driven and combining a strong emotional acuity that I gained from our relationship from witnessing you, my life was so incomplete prior to, you know, I can't, I would be the most toxic, prototypical masculine man. I'd probably have a lot more money because I would think that that would be the thing that makes me worth being a man, man. But, <laughs> but like, I, uh, yeah, I don't, I, getting through, you know, traumas never would have happened. You know, making life choice never would have happened. The, the level of love, the belief in love, the belief in God, the belief in divine, the relationship with my parents, my grandparents, healing the, I, I, I alluded to an emancipation. Now I have the best fucking relationship with my parents that I've ever had in my life. Um, I have a better relationship with my niece and nephew because I can relate to children better because I'm more in touch with my inner child than I ever was. Like, the entire quality of my life was strengthened from making these five years of choices of choosing love. Uh, it then prepared me to choose love in my entire life. Um, and to also not back down from when love is hard or when choosing love is hard, I should say, because love is actually pretty easy. It's the choice that can sometimes feel difficult. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I got shit to do. I can't be out here crying. Um, <laughs> Um, well, I'm going to ask you my last question. What is lighting you up these days? <laughs> oh, man, what's lighting me up? Oh, shit. You know, I'll be honest, what's lighting me up? Um, believing in myself again has been the dopest shit ever. Um, you know, spoiler alert for anyone that doesn't deeply know me, one of my greatest dreams has been to be a, to create documentaries, to create works of art really uh and eight years ago i decided i was going to start teaching myself the skills to be able to do that i went to school for audio engineering i started working with cameras and it looked like my life was going in all these different directions because no one really knew what i was trying to do but i'm finally at a point now where i've been writing my film treatments i've been writing my log lines i'm trying to figure out how to find funding for these shorts that i'm trying to make and sell you know short story ideas and it's been amazing, dude. When I get to writing and actually believing myself, but also like relinquishing my attachment to making a masterpiece and just creating something, uh, it's, it's become my favorite hobby. And the more I do it, the more I believe in myself. Um, and I just feel like, even if that's not the final destination, you know, even if that's not the thing that I ride out till I'm, you know, fading off to the sunset, it is just damn good practicing you know, that belief in self, you know, I, I really hate capitalist America, capitalist world that we live in. 
I hate the idea of working for a living. I hate the idea of selling intellectual property. You know this about me. Uh, but this all feels so different and it ties into what I set out to do, the impact that I look to make. Um, you know, and I also tie that into saying that again, you know, for the people that don't know what's been going on behind the scenes for the free of not has not gone anywhere whatsoever. It's been about finding the skills. You should tell people who don't know what for the free is. Oh, for the free is a nonprofit organization that I launched. I think two years ago now, um, aimed at connecting people with physical, mental, and spiritual wellness in a way that you know is geared towards uh, underprivileged and underserved individuals. Initially, my impact was to be on a, a per individual basis, and yeah, I'll give full transparency of what's been going on. And so now, my my drive has been to aim for a wider scope. Uh, to use partnerships with much larger corporations and individuals to bring awareness to why this stuff is important, which is where these films come in tremendously. Um, you know, people need to know why it's important for young people to have these outlets before I'm starting to ask for people to donate towards it. Um, and so that is where things have been transitioning towards. And uh, it just feels like, again, my life has a deeper purpose working on sharing a passion that I truly believe is going to ignite something in, in people that is also in a digestible platform. You know, people watch, they digest content all the time, whether or not they realize they're learning a lesson from it, you know, and that's my goal is to give people things that can help spark them, but also in that process be creating work for people like myself that that's their dream to create this type of stuff. Uh, they have the minds and not the resources. So it's combining these things and it's hard as hell. And I need help. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's been lighting me up like crazy lately. Fantastic. Well, man, I love you. I love you as well. And uh, I hope the listeners got a little something out of our mess and our beauty and all the things. Thank you for holding us in the tenderness of your compassion. I'm really grateful to be able to share that conversation, to have that conversation at all, and then to share it with such a beautiful community as all of you. I pray that it um, spurred something in you, um, offered a new perspective or even just deeper intimacy um, with me. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to be here with you. And I'm so excited for this new season and this new opportunity to share space with you. So as always, if you're loving the podcast, please share it please leave a review. Um, you all are incredible at that. So I'm just so, so grateful for you being here, for you listening, um, and for sharing this space with me. Have an incredible week. I will talk to you next week.